Get ready to laugh out loud with Wise and Nerdy, the show hosted by two hilarious dads who are bringing a unique blend of wit, wisdom, and nerdiness to the airwaves. From sharing hilarious anecdotes about their own experiences to giving advice on navigating the ups and downs of life, these two dads have got you covered. But that's not all. They're also obsessed with all things nerdy. From comic books and sci-fi movies to video and board games. So whether you're a fellow dad, a pop culture fanatic, or just in need of a good laugh, tune in to Wise and Nerdy and join in the fun. Can I pet that dog? Yes, you can, rando kiddo. We'll let you always pet whatever dogs that we have around. I did hold up in the intro the... Frosted Mother's Cookies, limited batch, puppy love cookies. Now, they only come out of holidays, right? Mother's Frosted, I, mean, I think they get more and more popular. Blizzard, I mean, Dairy Queen did a blizzard with the Frosted Animal Crackers at one point. Talk about diabetes on a stick. It was uh, very <laughs> sugary. I ate a little bit of it. Yeah, I love these things. They're, they're, I love the Frosted Mother's uh, Animal Crackers, basically. Uh, they're very good. I don't, I don't care that they're puppies. But you can get them at Christmas, and now apparently you can get them at Valentine's in the puppy love. So that was unless you live on the West Coast, then you can get them year round because Mother's Mother's Cookies is out there. They 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 were only like west of the Rockies or something like that for a very long time. All right, I I dig. uh, I'm not going to show it, but I dig a random kids comment that made me laugh. (laughs) So all right, that is not what we called to talk about. (laughs) We actually have a question of the week that Joe put in. It's the question of the week. I know, Toasty. I just said Ugh. that. Thank you. <laughs> what do you consider the most impressive tech advancement? Ever? Ever. <laughs> Ever? <laughs> Holy crap. Kurt's like, Kurt's like longer than any of us. When that cotton gin was it. invented, everything changed in my life. <laughs> Honestly, dude, I'm going printing press. Look, when they put okay, a wheel okay. on a horse. I, if I, <laughs> you don't put a wheel on the horse. <laughs> well, the first guy did, but it didn't no. quite work out the way he wanted well, it. I mean... Well, if you put the horse on the wheel, it just falls off. So you're going with the printing press. I think so. I think you have to like, like, well, you don't have to, but, but I think, I think an argument can be made like no books (laughs) otherwise, which means yeah, the written word stagnates (laughs) quite a bit. It's so. true. It definitely brought it, it made education a lot more available to the general public. But did uh, it though? It, it, it those, not did it those though. That, that were able to learn to read. Yes, it did. So you say what education. I, 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 I say knowledge too. But I mean, it, it, yes, it, you know, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about how the written word has been misused and abused throughout history to spread misinformation and dupe the idiots. Charles, Shall are you we? lashing out because you can't read? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just he, getting everybody he, ready. I'm just getting everybody of ready. That Arthur meme. You can't stop me. I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than Joe's meme, where it's the far side and he's pushing the pull door. But that's okay. Um, 
No, it, it's I'm getting geared up for the the rants about education coming up later. <laughs> That Joe's oh. is primed me for. And so when you say an educator, no, it made people dumber sometimes in my, my experience, but that's okay. No, no, but here's See, the thing. You're right. You're right. In some ways it did, but, but the amount of people that made smarter way outweighs that. Yep. In my opinion, you're always going to have dumb people. That's look, I, I mean, just true. look at today's society where we have everything at our fingertips, like literally with our phones. And there are so many dumb people in the world. I mean, look, if you if you just think of what you consider to be an average intelligence person and then you realize that over half the world is dumber than that. Yeah, I, the other thing is, look, and it. Dumb people have been around forever. Like Grog the caveman, when he went to Bonka's first water buffalo, knocked himself out. (laughs) You know, I mean, he just, uh, there's always dumb people. And that's okay. Um, At least they're not short people. Because as we all know, short short. people got no reason to live. (laughs) Wow. And, well, and to to be fair, it, if we're going to narrow that down a little bit, it's really we're just talking about jockeys. Yeah, what's fun if you know a <laughs> random kid? Oh my god, this is where dads just beat up on people. Random kids as dumb short people are the worst. <laughs> I know. I have two of them in my house that I'm raising, and one I'm married to. So, no, I'm sorry. She doesn't listen. It doesn't matter. Courage Joe just like, all right, canceled. We're done with the show. <laughs> uh, no, so that song is from Randy Newman, who people belovingly know him for the Toy Story songs. So, but he he wrote and sang and the that theme song. to Monk. There's that too. Yeah. So, uh, Joe, what is your technological advance, sir? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with wheels on a horse. Go round and round. <laughs> this is going to be super controversial, but I'm going to go with the iPhone. The first iPhone. Okay. Um, Kurt's like, what? Yeah. And, and, and so, so Kurt went with, of all time, I'm going to go with in my lifetime. Yeah, see, yeah, change the rules now. Well, sure. <laughs> because, I mean, your answer was so good. I have to in order to make my answer sound better. <laughs> Um, and and the, so the reason why I say that is it it truly revolutionized information in an entirely different way. So your answer, the printing press, revolu- revolutionized information for that generation. Mm-hmm. Smartphones did that for our generation. Um, I'm not necessarily saying it was quality information that it revolutionized, uh, especially with, you know, things like TikTok and whatnot out there where there's a lot of there's a lot of dumb stuff on the Internet. But in a lot of regards, it it completely revolutionized just society in general. Um, thinking about like just different events like the other the other day I went I went camping with my son. And in the snow, um, there wasn't any snow. I was in shorts and a t-shirt the whole time. It only so, got down to like 45. So we all um, found out yet again. Fair. Grandpa NASCAR was a better father than Joe. Just saying. 
And and so we went to an area with with no cell signal. And my son was freaking out. How are we going to get home? You don't have a Google Maps. It's not going to work. I'm like, hey, kid, just because Google Maps can't look, uh, can't look up the directions between here and home doesn't mean it's not doesn't serve as a map still. You can just pull it up and look and chart your own course. It's not that hard. <laughs> and so I talked to him a little bit about about maps and how growing up we had an atlas. So even when it wasn't connected to the Internet, this this device was plenty powerful with the information it provided in that instance. Um, and, the G- and the GPS antenna, actually, it does. It's not relying on the cell phone signal. So. No, no, it's not. Um, so it, it does show you your location. It just what does require the Internet signal is actually mapping the course between place to place. It wouldn't it would not map a course for me, which is huh. fine. Um, and so, yeah, I I just pulled it up. I'm like, OK, I need to take this freeway and that freeway and go. Uh, I mean, back when I was. A teenager, it was, hey, go on MapQuest and print off the directions. I'm like, okay. And we, I, I grew up and there was always an atlas underneath the, the passenger side seat yep. that, you know, if we were going anywhere, we, we had it there. We just had to map our course and hope that there wasn't any construction or, or, it's you know, changes. Navigating. And we did yeah. do that all the time. And that's why back in our day, whoever who sat in the passenger seat actually mattered a lot more because they were in charge of the map. Yep. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I'm going to go with the iPhone because it revolutionized. Well, it really revolutionized smartphones in general is what it, it started off um, because back then cell phones were just didn't, didn't do a, like there were some, connect mobile data phones before that, that had internet connection. But I mean, iPhone is credited with like basically the first of that, of the newest generation of iPhones or uh, smartphones. I got you on that. My, my, I, I wonder though, because I'm struggling with um, really the, the big smartphone quote unquote smartphone before the iPhone uh arguably was the moto razor and before that was like the bl- the blackberries um what what i struggle with is that the iphone seems to be an evolution of technology versus a revolution now the evolution took a giant leap no question like when 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 the iphone and the androids came out really close together um that was a giant leap forward um but but yeah no i mean very important no question about it very important i gotta go with uh wi-fi honestly for me um it's taken everything connected the world made it to where uh, uh i can just do so many things so many places but i tell you the place where I sit and marvel at technology is usually during the spring or the fall where the weather's nicer and I go out by my fire pit and I can sit there and I can watch a movie with the family on my projector in the backyard or I can 
you know, be there have definitely been nights where I'm working on my ta- or I'm watching TV on my tablet, working on my laptop, you know, and smoke a cigar and enjoying a fire pit. And I'm outside in nature. I'm not locked up in a closet of a, a room or anything. And so for me, that was that's the big one. Is it just gives me that freedom and still be connected and and do all the stuff I want to do. Hmm. Yeah, cool. Thanks for that discussion, everybody. Yeah, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Chill your beans. Thanks for the show, everybody. Oh no! This show ever. Wi-Fi or even its predecessor, the internet in general. Right. Yes. Um, although, but what's, you know, but what's Wi-Fi came? You couldn't use your phone and the internet at the same time. Exactly. And maybe <laughs> maybe the real pivotal question is, what was the biggest leap in technology, not so much right. the best invention? Because, yeah. yeah, internet had to be there for Wi-Fi, but when Wi-Fi, and especially the better it's gotten with the cellular signals and, and the broadcasting, the mesh networks and all this other stuff, it, it just brought a whole new dimension to what we do, I think. Uh, oh, oh, random kid. Real answer is AC because life without AC would suck. You missed the joke, though. Life without AC would be hell is the joke because it's hot. But I'll go with <laughs> it suck. But no, I'm with you. Dude, I watched uh, Oh Brother, Where Art There? And there's this fat dude right uh, in the middle of summer. I forget the scene. And that's what it dawned is on you me. Is you is or is you ain't my constituents? Is that him? Is that what he, is that where that line comes from? Okay, <laughs> yep. I couldn't remember. But I remember watching that film, and that guy comes on, and that's when it clicked in my brain. It's like I could never have survived before air conditioning. Now I know I could because if you don't know it's there, you don't know it's there. But I'm watching just a reenactment on the screen of him just dying from sweat, and I'm going. Oh, kill me now! This, this, this old brother right now is supposed to be this fun musical, whatever. I can't. I lost my words, but supposed to be fun and musical became a nightmare to me then, and I can't do it. Can't do it, man. AC or nothing. I mean, and realistically, AC and and I mean, people think AC, they think cooling, but heating as well. Like, right? How many lives has that saved? Like when when electricity goes out like in the winter or whatever they're like go check on the old people they might die true story uh, and, and so it it really has revolution i you know besides besides medical advancements ac and heating might be the thing that that has increased life expectancy the most uh i'm gonna throw plumbing into the ring yeah, all right. <laughs> I mean, I'm a dude. I can pee in the backyard. It's all right. Yeah, but nobody wants to drink it. <laughs> I just shocked Joe. I just shocked the Joe. I was drinking. Oh my god! <laughs> That's Rain Barrels, Kurt. But I'm so- with you about <laughs> holy crap. All of a sudden, we had a whole bunch of stuff pop up. Uh, I, I, I am gonna say I didn't see the e in our in that hashtag at first, and I thought it said "Where your daddies." I was very confused. Oh, yeah. So for the podcast, while they were sharing their tech answers, I'm over on Canva trying to make a very quick and dirty overlay, just playing with it. And it came out okay. It ain't great, but for five minutes of work, it got a good joke across, and that was fun. But we're, it's not where your daddies. That, that's, you certainly figured out how to block my name, so that was pretty cool. 
Ah, you're still spattered up there. But you get your own feel my curse right there in the corner. You got your own little blue dot. Yeah, VO Boo Kurt. <laughs> roll that dice. Roll, 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 roll that dice. Are you smelling toast there, Kurt? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> everybody, everyone smells toast. Oh, yeah. Let daddy decide. Which one is that, kiddo? It is. How do I? How do I live without you? So, who here? Because I didn't bring this topic, but I'm I'm somewhat unfortunately an expert on this topic. Who here has filed bankruptcy in their lifetime? Papa NASCAR. Papa NASCAR did. Okay, I've got a conditional answer. (laughs) I actually visited a lawyer, started the process to file bankruptcy. Didn't finish the paperwork, and by the time everybody caught up with it, it was too late, and all the bankruptcy stuff went away. I don't understand. What do you mean all the bankruptcy stuff? <laughs> so, went away? so when so when you start the process, your bill collectors can't hassle you anymore. Right. 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 And at the time that they were calling, I said, I've talked with a lawyer. We're starting the bankruptcy proceedings. Um, and so now you need to talk to him. Well, I dragged my feet on filling out the rest of the paperwork because they wanted a complete uh, inventory of all my assets, you know, in the home and everything. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to do this. Just It was just a pain in the butt. So I dragged my feet, dragged my feet, dragged my feet. Three years later, the lawyer said, "Yeah, we're not gonna, we're not going to handle this anymore. So um, here's the rest of your retainer back, and good luck." Well, at that point, all the debts had been written off by the companies already, and they stopped. They had stopped harassing me. Oh. So, so, so you filed partial bankruptcy enough to get them off your back and then didn't you didn't have to go through the whole thing officially declare right. bankruptcy. Right. I didn't know that it's, was a thing. It's quite well, the loophole you I. found in the system. It was weird. It was, it was a weird time. Um, but, and then honestly, everything that would have been a problem rolled off since then. Now, look, I'm kind of an idiot. So I got myself into a little bit more debt already, but um, but it's a damn sight better than where it was. Um, so, um, what about you, Charles? I will building off of this question, random kid threw in here. I don't understand how bankruptcy asks, uh, actually works. Are the creditors just SOL, which is a version of out of luck? Um, and yes and no. So there's secure credit and unsecured credit. Unsecured credit, stuff like credit cards, those kind of things. Secured credit is where they can repossess something like your car or your house, or you put up your house to vouch for the loan. So even if even though the house wasn't part of it, it's called collateral. Um, and then to certain points, uh, all creditors, there's some creditors don't get touched at all. Uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, those kind of school loans, don't get touched. However, hospital bills, those kind of things can be thrown out. Um, so yes, I've actually filed both types of bankruptcy. 
And the the first one was from from dumb decisions and bad decisions and not managing my money well and having a stupid low paying job as a paramedic making ten dollars and twelve cents an hour in nineteen or no, it was in the two thousands. In the two thousands. You know, uh like my son was born in two thousand and five and we filed bankruptcy right after he was born. So yeah, I was making ten dollars and twelve cents an hour. I was barely barely making thirty two thousand a year as a paramedic. But I should have managed my money better is the moral of the story. Uh, but I did have some dumb debts and like young kids do. You know, I wasn't, I was in my late 20s when my son was born. So, you know, dumb decisions. But I filed, there's chapter seven and there's chapter 11. And 11 is the rebuilding. And it's, you make payments and this kind of stuff. We wanted to keep the house. I needed to keep a car so I could get to work. So, the car wasn't touched. The house wasn't touched. There was a second mortgage on the house that uh, I'll share a story maybe in Patreon about how they stole from me on that one. But uh, I had some hospital bills that had piled up. And it was just, it was not true bankruptcy because I should have gotten a second job. I should have gotten a better job. And, and I mean, I'd cut back to where I was working, saying, okay, I'm making 10, 12 an hour, which by the way, was about what I was making when I left the big city EMS job. If I'd gone to Atlanta, which I didn't want to do, I'd have made more money. But I could have had, anyway, I could have done things to improve my income and I could have managed my spending better. All that being said, chapter 11, certain creditors, if they don't show up to court, which nine times out of, it seems like nine, they don't. And every once in a while you get a tenth time, I guess, and they do. But they can show up. They can argue why. I know my wife's mother filed uh, bankruptcy at some point, and she told me the story of of she had two creditors actually show up to her hearing and try to argue why why hers shouldn't have been thrown out or included or whatever. I don't know what the results were on that. Um, But that's Chapter 11. And you do pay certain things there's certain debts that do go away but i had to pay a bankruptcy bill so think of it like consolidating your debts but way harsher like it was certain that the courts went in yeah no that's out that's out that's out this one you you kind of need to do something for but we're going to put it in a lesser amount and so i ended up paying a bankruptcy bill if you will and i busted my butt i learned my lesson i i was ashamed I had to go get food stamps for my family. I had to do a lot of things that hurt my ego. And and nowadays, I'll tell you, there is no ego. Do what you got to do to take care of your family. If you made mistakes and you can still put food on the table, do whatever you got to do. Um, that notwithstanding, it was like a five-year or six-year payment plan, kind of like a car. We paid it off in, we, we paid it off a year early is what it came down to. And then they discharged it. I built up in that time, built up my career, built up my life, got a well-paying job. And you left EMS, you know, after, after um, my son was born, you know, we, I filed bankruptcy, quit my job, found an office job, made, finally made some good money in my life and had built up to about $60,000 a year in the late, you know, early, the, the late early 2000s, about 2010s when I got laid off. So by about that point, um, no, 2010s when I lost, when I went home and I worked for three more years, so 2013s when I got laid off, but I built up to about $60,000 a year. And I was managing my funds better. Albeit that uh, um, Dave Ramsey is very controversial. And especially now he's, he, honestly, now he's kind of a curmudgeon is a nice way to put it. But some of the principles, even though he might not have come up with them himself, 
they work. You, you, you baby step it, right? You, you put a little, you get to a thousand dollars in emergency fund and it was magic. It's a mental thing, but it was magic. All of a sudden when I had a thousand dollars in my emergency fund, I had one emergency. We spent $800 to fix the car or whatever. And still had money in our, our account, which was never before. Didn't have another emergency like that ever again. Built that account back $25 a paycheck, built that account right back up, all that jazz. So you do that. Then we start paying off our debts that we had, you know, uh, um, highest one or lowest one first because you just then you take that payment blah, blah, blah. snowball yeah, yeah exactly and there's other steps but those those steps work okay whatever you think about him it's, it's a mess but those steps work so I'd done that gotten my life right gotten my bills right gotten my money right and then I got laid off and went from $60,000 a year to $18,000 a year because I was hustling and scraping and we struggled for about six months on the hustle. Like I got live event jobs is where all my stories from building stages for concerts and being backstage and learning all this stuff and, and you know doing stuff at four in the morning until the next four in the morning. That's where those, that era, that's the era of those stories. Uh, so I was hustling and we had to make a choice. We could either keep our house and live where we live, which we had bought that house. We built that house. We could either keep it or we could, and then I couldn't really afford to travel to where work was, or we could move where work was where it's like a 10 minute ride, you know, I'm not spending you know, hundreds of dollars in gas every, every week or whatever. And that's the decision we had to make. So the only way to do that, and we tried, we, we reached out to bank. So originally haha, my mortgage was with, um, Oh, one of the first big companies to collapse in the bubble because they did shady crap. Um, can't think of it now, but that was the company that gave us a loan. Danny May. No, no, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were school stuff. They stayed around. Oh, okay. This Sorry. is a housing loan thing. I can't remember yeah. the name of it, but they were they were one of the big ones that caused the bubble, apparently, uh, giving bad loans to people. And they, honestly, me and my wife made our house our priority, and I worked hard to keep our house. But we were on the edge of should we have been approved for it or not, to be honest. And we made it work. And then, um, so our loan got bought by Bank of America. They were good to us. We did just fine. Then for no reason, Bank of America sold my mortgage to a um, a loan collection. Not that one either, random kid. It's, it's a smaller one. But, uh, but to a, it's a bank, but it's also a loan collection place. So while I was not in collections, they jacked up my payment um, because of reasons. I don't remember now, but they gave me reasons. I'm like, no, nah, this is crap, man. They, 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 just, they just made it unaffordable. But then when we, we were struggling because I got laid off, we reached out to them, said, hey, we need a building plan. We need to work. We don't do that. Kurt, I filed. And of course, it's like a ripple. You do not understand, everybody, how well-connected the financial world is. I mean, we went to file, and it went, and all of a sudden, the mortgage company's like, hey, 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 we got you this letter. We'll, we'll work with you. Just fill out this 15-page form. Like, <laughs> no, I called you twice. Not once. Twice, because I felt like maybe I just got an idiot on the phone. So I'll try again, because I want to do the right thing. I want to keep this, this house that was my wife's dream. She designed this house. She had all four of the kids in this house. I'm going to keep this house. Nope. Nothing. So, like you said, Kurt. We filed SunTrust. SunTrust literally tried to steal money from me, and I had to tell them to put it back. Because, like, this is your problem. This is why things are bad, is there's literally 
$8 in that account, which is why I am filing bankruptcy. And you just did your ones and zeros and pulled out $800 that wasn't real. And you took that and then nailed me the penalties. I might just let that dude have it. And yep. then I said, then put it and put it back. Put my $2 back or $8, whatever it was. Put it back because here's my lawyer. Here's my filing number. You're you're stupid. And then I hung up on him. And I got my $8 back and, and they were stupid. <laughs> so they're not just SOL. So I filed chapter seven uh, the second time, that time when we had to move out of the house. And that meant we were willingly turning over uh, the house, you know, we have to leave the house. It's not going to be ours anymore. Um, we kept the car because you need a car to get to and from work. So there's certain things you can say, okay, no, I'm making these payments. I'll do my best to keep this. But the courts try to make sure you have food over food on your table, roof over your house, a roof over your head, and a car to get to work, or right. you know, that you have some kind of, okay, you live in town and you can walk to work, something, right? Um yeah, yeah, if you have two cars, you usually have to get rid of the second one. Um, but yeah. they will let you keep a they'll let you keep the cheaper car. Yeah, right. <laughs> Is usually what that works out to. Uh, so. In our case, we had a I had a beater. I mean, it, it was we call it the ghetto sled. It was a seven hundred fifty dollar car. That's what I bought, and then I put a thousand dollars in to get CV boots and make it run, and that's that's it. And then we had a car that we had been making great payments on as a very small payment, and. My wife was trying to wear it. said, no, we have to have something for the kids to get to and from and that. And then I go to work all the time. Actually, no, I, the beater was gone. I had an old motorcycle. So that's what I had to drive. Rain or shine, that was my car. And that was not fun sometimes. So that's how you handle it in a nutshell. I'm sure there's other questions, other or thought processes. But I will tell you what Kurt says, right? The second you go to file. Now, let me tell you, before I tell you that, let me tell you this. If you're thinking about filing bankruptcy, fine some independent financial counselors talk to them. Do not call the debt consolidation company first. Do not call the bankruptcy lawyer first because the adage is to a carpenter or to the hammer, everything in life is a nail. You go to a bankruptcy lawyer and go, Hey, I'm struggling. What should I do? They're going to tell you file bankruptcy. Oh, and they got their $1,200. It was not a lot of money, but they got theirs first. Um, and then uh, same with the debt consolidation. That's what they do. So they're going to tell you to consolidate. So if you find an independent counselor, figure out, I mean, I know money's a thing. Obviously, you wouldn't be struggling here. But you have you figure out how you can get the advice. And then you look at your life. Because if I really had somebody virtually slap me upside my face the first time, like, you don't have a bankruptcy problem. You have a spending problem, moron. Go get a second job or a third or a bigger job. You don't get to afford to say, I'm not gonna, or I don't want to. You need to get your butt out there and do it. And hey, dummy, this big Dodge 1500 truck that you, you bought for no reason. Yeah, you need to sell that. Not turn it back over. You need to sell it and then pay it off as best you can and then figure out how to work out those. Pay I mean, there's so many things I could have done the first time. Second time was legit zero income. And yeah. it was very difficult to, to find a job that would pay for my family. I mean, I took, this is the era. I don't know if you've heard these stories. This is the era that I ended up going to work at Publix at the deli because I wanted to prove my, because she was just saying any job, any job will do. And I was like, That's, any job will not do. I mean, I know you understand the bills, but you're being very emotional right now. Any job won't do. So I'm trying to keep the house. I'm driving 45 minutes up the road to go work at a deli, which is no big deal. 
you do what you got to do. I was happy. I'm Mr. Customer Service. And yet they put my six foot seven butt on washing dishes every night. I'm not too proud to wash dishes. I am too tall to wash dishes because those work sinks were below my waistline, which actually by OSHA standards, I shouldn't have been doing because now I'm humped over and it's a bad position, all that stuff. But they, but yet there's stuff way up high. Guess who, Kurt? Kurt and Joe. Just guess who they put on putting up the high stuff and getting down the high stuff and lifting the heavy stuff. Aaron. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. But yes, a small little girl, right? And uh, some, of the, some of the people are smart enough to go, look, let's just trade. You know, you shouldn't be doing dishes, and I don't need to be lifting this grease trap and, you know, climbing on ladders up here when you just reach it. Yeah, it was dumb. It was dumb. So, all that being said, uh, I, mean, I, was, I was making $8 an hour. They're working me less than 20, 20 hours a week, coming home in pain every night. But I did it to prove to my wife, not every job is right, but I will do what it takes to make the family work. And in that meantime, I, I, I got, I took everything, man. I took, uh, I got, that's when I got to be a professional producer for a little while and, and just fate and fortune brought me somebody who could afford to help me pay my bills and build them a show. Um, I was hustling left, came around during that time. They were not a thing before that. Um, I was just doing everything, man. Uh, so any questions, any, any thoughts on that or what do you guys got? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't fully understand what was going on when my family de- declared bankruptcy because, you know, I was 11 or 12. Um, and my parents, they never really talked about finances other than we don't have money. That, that was all it ever was, was we don't have money. I'm like, oh, OK. And so I never got. In an education on how to balance a budget or anything like that from my parents. Yeah. Um, and so when we declared bankruptcy, the little snippets that I did get from my parents were um, a large portion of it, of the cause, at least that they claimed was um, one of my dad's employees was stealing from us, um, had embezzled. I think they, that they, had attributed it to like a hundred thousand or 200,000, which for a small business is, is substantial. Yeah. My, my dad had yeah. a, a small, a small automotive business at the time. Um, and so, uh, that was a, a large portion of it. So we were behind in mortgage payment and everything. We filed for bankruptcy and we went house hunting. And regardless of, of what we were trying to do, no one was going to give us a loan. Like we just declared bankruptcy. You're, you're not going to get a loan. And, uh, so that actually facilitated our family moving from Washington state to Pennsylvania. Um, because my grandpa basically gave us the house my dad grew up in. Um, so we, we made payments to my grandpa for the house. um, I don't know if it still had a mortgage on it or if we, we were just making rent payments. I, I don't actually know the details of it. Um, and my grandpa moved in with my uncle in this huge house. It was like a four story house plus a basement. Um, so yeah, it was, it was ginormous, but, um, but yeah. So when my, my grandpa passed a few years later, my the, the bulk of my dad's inheritance was the house. And yeah. so that ended out, 
ended up uh, being a huge boon for us was my grandpa's generosity. And I know, and I know a lot of people don't have grandpas. Well, have family members that can help in situations like that. Um, and so I've been very blessed in my life whenever I've had struggles. Um, my, my in-laws are actually very generous with us with helping us out and stuff like that. Um, and so we, we do our best to, to pay them back and everything, but they, they have been very, very generous with us. So, yeah, I mean, my, my in-laws did the same. We'd go to my, so earlier on, Dumb decisions being what they are. And this is what my wife and I have definitely discussed. We definitely want to be there for our kids. We want to help. But we've spent most of our kids' lives teaching them how to do better, how to have a strong work ethic, do what it takes to make the money you need, not you know, get rich, and that's the only thing important, but focus and do that. Uh, and we definitely – one of the things that drives me to earn more money is to have that ability to, if they get into a spot, to say, hey, let me help you out type of deal because her father used to give us money and she'd cry. Um, you know, her mom gave us some money sometime to help us out. Uh, I asked my mom for some money at one point and that's all I heard for months is when you're going to pay it back and just, just made it miserable. So I never asked them for money ever again. Um, but I can tell you perspective is everything. And when you lose a job and yeah, at first I tried, that was my opportunity to try to chase my dream. I'd been working on building the podcast stuff and the digital media stuff and, and I've been investing and in going to conferences and meeting people, which has got me to the production job uh, that I got. Um, I got a golden parachute. Okay. I got about two or three months of finances and, but we made a, a hard stop on that. Actually, I think our bills were like two grand a month at the time. So maybe three. And so we got about four or five months, but I said, I'll have two months. I'll chase the dream. I'll get out there. I'll push it. I'll hustle. And then we got some income and that extended it out. But finally by spring of, of 2014, I believe it was, it was like, yeah, the hustle is just not going to cut it. And I had to do what was right for my family and find something. And ultimately still, it led me to where I am today. I mean, it, that path took me directly to, uh, the EMT school and doing social media for them on the hustle and this and that to then taking a full-time job because they were paying $10 an hour. And it's like, Hey, as long as you let me and he goes, man, it's only $10 an hour. You're worth way more than that. It's like, Oh, I know. I know. However, I live a life on the hustle and here's for two years. Here's how my wife described me to our kids, moms, your kids, friends, moms, right. In, in kindergarten, first grade. Oh, what is your husband? She goes, she finally went, I don't know. He tells people to pay them and they do. And I went, that's the best thing anybody's ever said about me. She's regretted it every day. I was like, no, that, I love that truth. That's great. Because she just didn't understand all the hustles and stuff I was doing. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's rough. And I'm glad the one choice I know 100% that I made was correct. About two or three months before we filed bankruptcy. We knew there was a potential that the job would go away because they'd always said, originally I lost, Cody Fingers lost my job in 2010 because they, they sold to a new company. That company shut down our building. But because me and two other people were so good at what we did and their people were not, we got retained at a decent rate to work from home. And when I say a decent rate, there were days when it was like, I wouldn't go to family holidays for two or three years 
because I got paid $50 an hour on Thanksgiving Day to just sit there and answer phones from doctors and finish up the two calls that were in there and play video games all day just waiting because they wanted somebody to wait. But with the way they stacked it, it's $50 an hour. And my Damn wife right. told the family, he's like, <laughs> yeah, you guys can miss him all you want, babe. We need that. So we stockpiled. We did what we could. But my wife had said to me one night, she was like, look, you just need to quit your job and chase the podcasting thing. And I think she, we knew that doom was coming and that's her response to impending doom. Let's just run the bandage. Let's just die right now. And like, no, I'm not going to do it. And sure enough, around Christmas time. So I got laid off September ish. So around Christmas time, um, she just hit bottom. And I mean, she's throwing things. She's crying. She knows she's going to lose her house. And later on, after we talked it out and brought her back up, I brought, I was like, that moment is exactly what I needed. Cause it showed me I made the right decision. Cause no matter what we do, no matter how hard this gets, there's no thoughts from myself first or anybody else outside of me going, you made this decision and you did this to your family. So I didn't, I just wrote it until they, they laid me off and, it was, it was a word. And, and this is true. Random kid says, uh, anyone who says whatever job X job is beneath them are idiots. A hundred percent, man. Uh, I actually, I, I would like to actually, okay. uh, challenge that. I don't believe they're idiots. I believe they're not desperate enough. And, okay. And, okay. And be, be, because Hungry enough, yeah, because they've not, because here's, here's another weird controversial thing. Everybody complains about a lot of things. And that's partially because life is actually pretty good. Yes. Um, you ever and, heard the thing so, called first world problems? Well, so I'm even willing to say that it's not first world world problems, but life's not that bad. Uh, and and even even for most people who complain the most, that caveat in particular, that complain the most, life is still pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and so, uh, so it's, it's, it's hard. I, I, I will tell you that a year after I got married, uh, I lost my job because my company went out of business because my best friend who was the owner of the company got cancer and died. Oof. Um, so I lost that job. I could not get a job at McDonald's. And I had, right. I, I, and I had, I, and this was 1989. So 1989, 1990. And, and at that point um, I was, I was a couple of years into the video game industry. I sent resumes out by mail because right, it was 1989 right. to 45 video game companies. So all of them um, in 1989, all of them, all of them <laughs> that I could find, all of them that I could find. Um, no bites, no bites, no bites. Couldn't get a job at McDonald's. And I had worked at Burger King in high school, and I said, I'm never doing fast food again. And yet, Which you is, were like, I'm And ready. yet, yeah. I had to, right? I couldn't pay my rent who, uh, which for the apartment, which was also owned by my best friend who owned the company that had to lay me off. Mm. So they went without rent for a couple of months or so. Um Six months after I sent out the resume, I got a call from a company 3,000 miles away Oof. that said, hey, do you want to come out here for an interview? At which point I said, yes, <laughs> without even missing a beat. 
And were they, they paying said, for your travel or did you have yes, to figure that out? Okay, yes. Okay. Yeah. No, they knew where I was. They knew where I was. And so they flew me out and they said, oh, can you start in two weeks? I said, yes, I can. And so I flew back. I had a Chevy Sprint, a three-cylinder hatchback car. And it did 50 miles to the gallon because it was a because it, it was a it was a regular fuel efficient car, but it was a three-cylinder Suzuki engine. Um, and my wife and I, because my wife had been laid off that year as well, my wife and I piled as much stuff into that little hatchback that we could. And it was my TV, a folding card table, our pillows, and our clothes. That's all we had room for. And so we get in the car, we drive cross country. At that point, we were buying groceries with gas station credit cards. Um, and so literally lived on Chevron gas station credit cards, cross country. Right. We'd get, we'd get fuel and we'd buy our meals for the day and then yeah. we'd keep going, stay at a little motel six or something, whatever the cheapest thing we could find and drove cross country. Now the company that I was working for happened to have a company apartment. They let us stay there for the first wow. two weeks till I got my nice. pay to, to put a down payment on a, on an apartment. And then for another six months, no couch, no bed. I bought a couple of inflatable uh, pool rafts. Wow. All right. Uh, for, for a bed uh, <laughs> until somebody at the office said, hey, I'm throwing away this sleeper sofa. Do you want it? And I yeah. said, yes. And so we got that. Um, it was ugly and it was bad. But I tell you what, it shows you what you're willing to do to just keep things going. Yeah. And and so you will live on macaroni and cheese, uh, five for a dollar boxes. You know, <laughs> I, if ramen really existed back then, oh, I would be a ramen expert right oh, now. Oh, yeah. We were ramen kings <laughs> for sure. Uh, um, yeah. So, so, but, but it was good. Because it taught me independence. Mm. And my dad often would complain about that. You're too independent. He would go, be, yeah, because my brother and my sister for years would go to mom and dad to help solve their problems for them. And not just financial, but like go, you know, and, and live with them because, you know, they, didn't want to find a, uh, an apartment or, or whatever, you know, it was, it was a way different situation. And I was like going, we are 3000 miles away. You can't help us. So we got to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. And we did. And, and we became stronger for it. Um, but, but yeah, you do what you got to do. There is no job beneath anybody. Um, if you're, if you're desperate enough, well, I love that you talked about what you learned. So I, I learned uh, uh, a few things as well. I kind of flipped into what would be traditionally called dad mode. Like I started realizing how many lights we left on in the house, how many fans, how many things, how much money we were burning. You know, so I did start playing with the thermostat so we were comfortable with making sure it was right. And a lot of these traditional dad things were really 
oh, I'm growing up and not being a dad or uh, the man or whatever. I'm going money, money matters. And we really started planning things, but the, the, so I, I became wiser and smarter with my money. I learned that. I learned a lot of things. And, and a uh, um, random kid said something about, uh, in his experience, uh, the poor, here it is. In my experience, the poorest people tend to be the most generous people. That See, that's important. And that is something I definitely lived in during that time, was never going, I can't. I was, you know, gripping that, that little bit of money left and starving. My wife and I still found ways to... Um, donate our time to to soup kitchens or those kind of things to help other people work with that. I tithe, and not because I, I believe in bribing God or that I have to, but it was the easiest way, being in the South and preacher's kid growing up in churches, it was the easiest way I knew to keep a flow of money. Because as you're doing things, it's a, it's a, a, somebody, okay, a spiritual thing, but I think it's an energy, mental perception thing of I'm giving to help somebody else I'm putting out good energy and I'm not going, I'm paying my bills. Oh, this hurts. Or, uh, you know, it, there was negative money in my life. And then there was this positive, how can I help people? And that kept our heads above water and th- as far as, as, as emotions go. And then I'll right. tell you, the biggest thing I learned is how stupid people are who don't, and they just don't want to listen. But that, uh, some version of, um, <laughs> Rainer Kiss is a little conversation. We have time for us to show. Well, we're going to find out. Buckle up, Buttercup. <laughs> um, but the biggest thing that I, I learned is you have to say what you want. And when we started looking for a house or a place to live that was where I could go to work and those kind of things. And we tried this and we tried that one that because we knew we could afford $850 a month. That's what we were paying on our house before they jacked it up to like nine something. And then with gas and everything else, it was just undoable. But we knew if I, we moved somewhere, we could, we could afford up to $850 a month. So we we're checking all these houses, finding stuff. But every time we found one we thought we liked, of course I said, you know, I'd talk to the lender or talk to whoever and say, hey, you know, uh, yeah, no kidding, random kid, it would be a steal. Uh, I pay less than that right now to live in my house. But that's a whole different story and, and to help a family. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd say, hey, I'm filing bankruptcy. And they would panic. Well, uh, you could just you could just bail this apart. No, that's not how it works. The second I file bankruptcy, I cannot put anything else into it. Period. And if I go and buy stupid stuff like Kurt, I know you didn't get to this part, but if you get all the way through the process, you go to court. It's not a judge; it's a, a, a like a lawyer that's an adjudicator, and they know the bankruptcy laws or whatever. But there's that's all it is: is bankruptcy court. So overhearing lawyers talk to people, and everyone like. Are you? I mean, the China West were like, "Are you kidding me? You bought two at this time. It was the largest screen on the market. Two fifty inch TVs. What I told you, do not spend anymore. Oh, I was just cracking up. So you can't go get more debt. You can't go buy stuff. They right. they do a three year look back, by the way, and a six months monitoring process before it gets finalized to make sure you're not trying to rip off people and run away. And so, but these people didn't understand that. And Joe apparently is not proud of his one percenter status. That's okay. <laughs> Cause he didn't have these stories like we do, Kurt. That's okay. Uh, but I finally, my wife said, I just want some good old boy who won't care, just wants his money, let us pay our rent and leave us alone. And that's what we got. And I won't go into all the long stories, 
But that had its own set of problems because we exactly got a good old boy who just cared about his rent and left us alone, and it was a problem. But not a bit. It was a lesser problem than not having a place to live. Right. We dealt with it. So, all that being said, that's a great uh, a topic, uh, Joe. Are we gonna roll that dice? What do we do, buddy? <laughs> roll you didn't push that the button, so dice. I don't know if I can. <laughs> roll. Bad dad roll. joke. Roll. Roll bad that. dad jokes. Oh. Waka waka bad dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we were to cut any segment for time. <laughs> I know I'm always outvoted on this one. And the dice taketh away. Yep. (sighs) (laughs) Are you ready for it? You ready? Ready? All right. It's so hard for a woman to work at the post office. It's a male dominated profession. (laughs) I can tell by your reaction that you really like the delivery on that joke. (laughs) Well, you've got my stamp of approval. (laughs) Even, even the guy who doesn't know the difference between roll tide and tide pods says grown. Charles loved that joke so much. He couldn't stay stationary. (laughs) You're laughing way too hard. I can't help but laugh at you. But <laughs> roll that dice. Oh, Stay tuned for this commercial break. Ah, we'll, we, we'll skip up. Roll again. We did go long enough. Donate one. to your daddy. Patreon.com slash wise in nerdy. And by the way, welcome back, Mr. Tambourine 19. We've missed you, dude. <laughs> You know what, Mr. Tambourine? You can be on the show if you... Call your daddy and leave a voicemail. Wiseandnerdy.com slash call dad. Look <laughs> at you getting getting this, this stuff going. Oh, wait. We already did both of those. Hiya! What are you nerding out about now? All right, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Kurt? Because I know you're not discuss it briefly uh, this week. Talk about what you're nerding out about right now. Yeah, so I'm doing something crazy, and so when I decide to do something crazy, I actually tend to overanalyze and over-research things. Can confirm. Yeah. So. Um, I am going to be running a Spartan event uh, here in the area. And if you're not familiar with Spartan races, it's kind of like, um, have you heard of Tough Mudder? Or, yeah, it's like these kind of extreme races with a whole bunch of obstacles in the middle of it. Um, And there's one called the Spartan Stadion which they run in stadiums all around the United States and probably around the world. I don't know, but uh, they have one coming up in November. So I got plenty of time to train. Um, that is going to be done at Fenway park. Uh, is Fenway here in Boston. closed in and, and heated. No, 
It's New England. Why would we but need you, that? You live in Florida. That's <laughs> why you're going to do a, a Spartan race in, in November, right? Yeah, no. I live in New Hampshire. It's it's going to be November. and which, It's only oh, one oh, obstacle, and that obstacle is negative 32 snow banks. That's what that obstacle is, Kurt. No, no but you know, here's the thing. November is not when it actually gets really cold. November is just November, uh, you know. So, um, so what what this is the types of obstacles uh, that they have are things like um, you have to go over like a four foot wall is is one of them, or go under a bunch of cords, or go through like a a jungle gym type of thing. They do have a rope climb where you have to climb the rope and ring the bell type of thing. They've got monkey bars that you got to get all the way across <laughs> and they've got rings that you swing on to get to all the way across. Um, oh, and if you miss them, it, like if you don't complete that obstacle, you got to do burpees and burpees are, you drop to the ground, like a push up. you, uh, so you jump back up and, ra- and raise your hands and jump up and go down and do it again. And it's, it's a whole thing. Um, so I'm doing it just to see if I can. <laughs> random kids, gotcha. Do you run through chowder instead of mud during a tough mudder in New England? No, chow- <laughs> you, you get chowder afterwards. So and random kid does ask are you posting videos of your Spartan race on social media. Um, well, you're, you're not the first person to ask tonight. Um, and in all likelihood, I am probably going to get a GoPro. And Good. and just oh. take a bunch of just take a bunch of video when I go. You want to be um, really goofy? Just get one of those five below five dollar neck bands that put your phone to watch and just let it yep. bounce everywhere. Oh my god! Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 uh it's weird because I'm in a I'm in a strange place with my whole weight loss journey now, where I look forward to going to the gym. That's a great place. It's you, weird. You said, you've internalized the habit. There. I've never been there though. Like I, I took three days off in a row going to the gym because I had a couple of things going on earlier this week uh, from my body standpoint. <laughs> and uh, it, it was, it was weird. And, and I was like, I got to get back to the gym. Like it, it like for my mental health, I got to get back to the gym. Yeah. It, it, it brings me peace even though in the Good. middle of the pain <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's weird it's but i've never been here before and so sure, i'm like awesome my mantra this year is get comfortable being uncomfortable and i just said ah this spartan race is something i would never do because it's stupid so yeah. why not do it um just went on a little fact-finding mission the average temperature of New Hampshire in November for a typical day ranges from a high of 50 degrees, still cold, to a low of 32 degrees. Some would describe it as cold and breezy. Average temperature of a day in Atlanta in November is still 70 freaking degrees, Kurt. <laughs> it's cold. 32 degrees is nothing, though. Like, 32 degrees is like, oh, well, the, uh, if it's going to snow, it's, it's not a dry stick. cold. It's, it's okay. It's a dry cold. It's not going to stick. It's just like, whatever. Um, so, so I'm more concerned if it rains, honestly, because then the obstacles get way slipperier. Bad so. daddy. 
I, Cho, what are you nerding out about? Uh, I, I, I agree with random kid that Kurt should uh, cosplay as Master Roshi for Dragon Con. So, so here's here's my uh, my response to that. Master Roshi is from Dragon Ball, right? Yeah, yeah, or Dragon Ball Z, both. Yeah, okay, I. That's all or I Dragon know. Dragon Ball Super or GT or yeah, yeah. Or Dragon That's Ball Red and Blue or Sapphire and Pearl or whatever. Who cares? Kurt, what do you so want? So I, I actually am planning on cosplaying for the first time this year because, again, I would never do it. So why not? And he can finally buy costumes that. from the kids section at freaking Halloween. Not, not quite Halloween. yet. But I, I won't reveal one of them because one of them is a surprise for all of our gang at Dragon Con. But Sweet. the other one is... um. I can't. I'm blanking on his I name. Think another one, but, but Jurassic Park dude, John Hammond. John Hammond. That's what I thought was going to be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not the that surprise. That one's not a surprise. That's he announced surprise. that one already. Yeah. So I've just got to buy the the stuff, but I I think I can pull off a John Hammond now. Um, but uh, the other one is going to be a complete surprise. All right. Yeah. Well, if you don't cosplay as mini me. I don't know what I'm going to do. Because if you're like, if I just have you walk through this mini me, you start, oh my God, that would be great. Oh, man. Too much hair color and shaving involved. <laughs> it's worth it, Kurt. Uh, I lose the weight, you cut the hair. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm actually nerding out about is Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, is that yes, the live Kurt. action one? So I did watch the live action this past week. It was okay, but they crammed two seasons of the anime into five episodes. Ooh. So their pacing was all over the place. The visuals were okay. The final boss looked like, uh, uh, what was the villain in justice league that the CGI was horrible. Yeah, um, yeah, Steppenwolf. Doomsday? Oh, yeah. oh Steppenwolf? Yeah, yeah. Steppenwolf, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at the, yeah, the, the boss, his, his, his CGI was very cringeworthy. Like, the body was fine. It was the face. The face yeah. was horrible. Um, but it's making, it made me relive, like, bits of the anime, and I'm gonna start re-watching the anime, because it's super good. Um... And they left it open for another season. Um, the trouble is, I'm pretty sure the anime is only four or five seasons, and they already covered the first two seasons in in five episodes. I, I mean, granted, there's a lot from the other the first two seasons that they could bring in, um, but they completely butchered the the best arc of the anime which is in season two. Uh, and so which ironically yeah. is about him being a butcher. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> and so it's, it, it's, it's, I really like Yu Yu Hakusho, the anime. If you have never watched the anime, the live action will probably entertain you. If it's, if, if that's something that you would like, um, I just, I do wonder if, people who have not watched the anime or read the source material, if they would be confused about a lot of the things, or maybe that's me just projecting because I know that there's stuff missing. And so, you know, it could be that. Um, 
but yeah, yeah. The the set is only is five episodes, good. and it's on Netflix. It is. It is. I will try. I can't promise. I will try to watch those five episodes this week, knowing nothing about it, and then come back and, and tell you my take on it, so you can figure out if I'm confused or not. I mean, I okay. probably will be. It's me. We will, let's be honest. It's me. But. <laughs> uh-huh. I will too, because I I'm not familiar with the anime. I I know the name, but that's all I know. Yeah, I've never heard. Okay. So Yu Yu Hakusho, <laughs> got it. Yep, and they they did actually do some nods specifically to the anime. Like, there's a point where um, it shows a truck driver, and his radio is playing the theme song to the anime because they they changed the graphics of the of the intro every season, but they kept the same song for the intro the entire time. And so I I was like, "Oh, hey, it's a song! It's a song!" Um, But yeah, it was all right. What are you nerding about, Charles? Uh, right now, I'm actually adding this to my list on uh, Netflix. So you, let me do Haku Show. Um, wasn't not oh plus button there it is. Okay, cool. Just added it to my list. Uh, I didn't know how to phrase this, but I'm actually really nerding out about how much I'm achieving at life right now. It just kicking butt. I need to update my spreadsheet, uh, but at last October ish. I said that uh, I was going to knock out just arbitrary. Numbers are always arbitrary, right, for goals. So I was going to knock out 24 speaking engagements in 24, or by the end of 2024. And so the the only rules on it are is it can't be like wise and nerdy. I can't build the show as a podcast and just get on it. But anything else I'm invited to or accepted to, so I can pitch, like we pitched wise and nerdy to Chatacon, but they had to see it call it valid and bring us in. So that's how it counts is being brought in. Um, I knocked out like six or seven speaking engagements at Atlanta comic con this year. And this is past weekend uh, as of this recording. And it was amazing. It was solid. Um, and I was only supposed to do, they, they took my game show. So that was one. And I did record that. I, I really recorded it to help refine it, but I'm going to see if it's worth posting. I might post it up, let everybody see what the game show is. By the way, next Wednesday night, you guys, everybody needs to come out. Random kid, follow uh, Dragon Con or DC Digital Media on YouTube because uh, I know that's where you've watched us here. Next Wednesday night, um, I can't remember the name you suggested, Kurt. I did sit at the Tyro. We're probably going to use it, but that connections with the con or whatever it was. I forget what it. Yeah, yeah. But like, that, that 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 con night, right? Yeah. Do you want us beer rock God? No, <laughs> that'd be great. It's fandom face off. Is name of, and I'm going to do it live on YouTube and Twitch next Wednesday night for the Dragon Con, the DC Digital Media night that we do on Wednesday nights. It's eight o'clock Eastern. So definitely everybody come check that out. Uh, play, because Joe, you got to play with it last time. It's a very interactive game, even online. You know, it, it works really well, right? Okay. So I knew I was getting that one. And then this is a con that lets me moderate all the time. And they'd already told me this year, I said, hey, uh, now things have changed up. Um, would you like me to come? And I'm like, and her name is Corey, and she's amazing. And she's like, yeah, I know what you bring. We'll, we'll use this as a moderator and pitch whatever you want. We'll use it. And so I started talking to her, got found out what she needed, right? And you guys saw me go into the Discord for DragonCon digital media track and say, hey, here's what, apply, apply, apply. 
and Phaedra Black applied. I think some others applied and some other things happened. Then I get my moderation schedule and it's fun. But this year, aside from all these speaking gigs, this year, one of my goals is to get a real guest for the DC Digital Media Track. And I want to bring celebrities who do podcasts because they have a passion. You know, there's a lot of celebrities who do it to be valid and, and stay relevant through gigs. And one might even argue that Kevin Smith kind of did that for a little while, even though I think he is passionate. You could argue that he did some of it to stay relevant. But there are definitely so many great celebrities who do podcasts about all kind of stuff. And last year I tried to get Katie Sackoff and um, talked to her people. I actually got as far as talking to her producer on her show. And they were just launching blah, blah, blah. And it's her podcast, and it's really about her talking. Now, yeah, she's talking to other celebrities, but it's as friends. It's as sharing stories or or like connection and experience in our jobs kind of deal. And it's very fun to listen to. And it was just starting to like, hey, I believe some of the secret sauce of celebrities is that they always have to talk about their shows and their fandom and that kind of thing, but they never get to share the stories from their lives, which is what finding the stories is all about, or get to talk about their passion project you know blah 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 with her that was a passion project she she doesn't feel comfortable speaking in this format she's not that kind of person but she she just loves conversation so then she just had a baby last year she had some other stuff going on that i don't know about they just said there's some other stuff going on we might not be able to do dragon con and then the strike happened and so she didn't do any cons after i think san diego last year and of course 2020 was amazing right i mean not 20 yeah no the strike was amazing i'm sorry 2020 was bad we did digital something in the chat room random kids stop distracting me okay all right just let me talk <laughs> all right <laughs> no uh the, but the strike was great for dragon con and for the world because all of a sudden you couldn't talk about that project but you could talk about your processes and other things and and i can't remember the exact thing that rachel said from dragon con she's a co-chair of dragon con but where else can you go and hear Patrick Stewart talk about gardening? And I think that might be the actual reference, but it, it was not. So we got we have that reference. So all that being said, got my moderation list. Katie is going to be there as a, a tons. I got tons of celebrities this year. But on my moderation list, I had Denise Crosby. Do you remember who that is? No, you Lieutenant Yar. Yep, yep. Lieutenant <laughs> <laughs> Tasha Yar. Uh, so I had her. I had. Um, some Bob Hall. I can't. I can't remember what he did. I had some artists. You know, I, I was doing okay, and I had uh, Jeremy Shada. And Joe, do you know who Jeremy Shada is? This one, I thought you might. Do you, Kurt? No. Okay. The way you lean forward, I thought you might. He's the voice of Finn the Human. He was one of the main characters in the Voltron animated series. Yep. Um, and he's done he's done music and other stuff, but the Adventure Time is his big one. Uh, so and I've I've actually interviewed him in the past, so that one was easy. And I got on the phone with Dragon Con, and we're talking about getting Katie because I getting a hold of her manager and this and that and the other. And I was getting advice from Rachel, and we we're talking about things. And I was like, "Well, I don't get to moderate Katie, but I am going to use my access. I am going to use my my pass to try to get two minutes with her and say, hey, you know, I'm the director of Digital Media Track. We'd love you, love to have you bring blah blah blah.'" And I got the the blessing from Dragon Con of going, hey, that's appropriate. That's fine because you oh, you do represent us. We do want her to come, so on and so forth. Two days, three days before the con, 
I think I shared this with you in the Patreon possibly or off air or something, but um, get a new schedule. And all of a sudden on my moderation schedule is Katie Sackhoff and uh, some other cool people. But that I was like, the fates are among us. You know, it was amazing. And that should have gotten a reaction from you guys. That's fine. Random kid loves me. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> and long story long, Phaedra Black ended up getting her panel shifted from Saturday to Friday, which happens sometimes, and lost pretty much all of her guests. So she reached out to me, and I've never got to create with her. We've both created around each other in the Dragon Con circles. Uh, but we got to, I got to be on three panels with her, and that was amazing. And then I sat down with Katie, and it was such a great conversation. It's such a good time. And then, uh, and of course, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing the rock guy thing, right? I'm being funny, and, and she's laughing, the crowd's laughing. And then, because uh, somehow a panel starts behind us, but halfway through ours, so it's staggered by 30 minutes. Somewhat, nobody knew how to work the speakers, so they were blasting through a wall. So I had to turn up her speakers. And then um, it just dawned on me before we ended this. Okay, as y'all give us a minute, I'm going to walk Katie out of the room because I want to make sure I'm with her. And it's one of those cons where it's tight, so I just wanted to give her a path out. Um, but let's make as much noise as we can to piss off this panel behind us. And she just walked out on cloud nine, I felt like. I mean, she could have just had fun with it, and that's fine too. But I felt like I did a cool thing. The crowd's just stomping and cheering and going crazy. And then we get out in the hall, and I did. I, I got a chance to say, hey, you don't know me, but I'm the director of digital media track at DragonCon. We really would love for you to bring blah, blah, blah with Katie Sackhoff. She said she'd love to try to do that and that we should uh, give her a call and do that. So that's we're in a process there. But it's it's you never know. You never know what's going to happen, but it's so much fun. It's so much coolness. Uh, if she doesn't come, that that's fine. But I am going to pretty much really ask for, you know, a, a finding the stories time with her um and talk to her but if nothing else that's my goal get these storytellers these people that yeah we'll we'll put butts and seats and i'm a fan i've loved a lot of the stuff that she's done in her career but to see her talk about her passion when she's her baby monitor went off during the panel and is a little video and she showed it off and then she got a little teary-eyed telling a story about her kid now we don't ask because in that setting you don't ask personal questions and those kind of things it was great it was just a great moment and it just I got some other guests in the works. I'm working on some things, but uh, it's just, man, it's only February. And I think I'm already <laughs> halfway to my goal of speaking gigs. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I got two more cons coming up that I'm speaking at. Uh, actually, um, Metro Tham Con, Joe, they mm -hmm. accepted finding the stories. Not wise and nerdy, which they asked about. So I pitched <laughs> them and I gave them links. Uh, not the game show. But yeah, I'm gonna go interview their their main person there. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe you come over. Maybe you don't. We'll talk about. It, we'll figure it out. Uh, it's just so cool. A lot of stuff's going on. So uh, did you ask her? No, I did not ask her about all the thirsty Mandalorian fans. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Katie was was very fun to talk to. So easy to talk to, and she is the kind of person I like creating with. There are certain celebrities that. And granted, you are there for your fans, but they're only facing forward the whole time. And I'm just a, okay, manage the crowd guy. I'll get you, you, you. We'll go in this order. We got it. And every once in a while, I might get to follow up with a question. And they kind of acknowledge me, but they go back out to the crowd. And that's okay. 
because technically that is exactly what you're here for. But I really love creating with the people. Like when I asked a question, Katie would turn to me and we'd talk for a minute or two, you know? Yeah. So much fun. You can tell that there's a connection when, when that happens, right? Versus just playing to the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, it was so cool. So don't know and hope I don't get in trouble because I probably shouldn't have shared some of those details <laughs> because it's, it's sensitive. You know, I know in the big grand scheme of numbers on the internet, I'm nobody, but I don't need tomorrow the Leonard journal putting up director of digital media says that this is coming to, yeah, but I mean, it'll be fine, but hope is hope, you know, it'd be great. There's some other things that might be possible at DragonCon for me as well to, to bring that vision forward. But all right, I uh, want to roll the dice. You want to park the car, Joe? I rolled the dice. I heard you. Random kids. Can you tell me a story? No. Next. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> uh, you, okay. Let, uh, is this? Okay. We got to pick one. We can only do tell me a story or what do you think about? Because either one of those can go long. So you want to flip a coin? Ooh, do I, have my, I don't have my coin. Do you want to roll the dice? Odds are okay. tell me a story. Even is public school systems. It's even. <sighs> Okay, can I just get a bad dad joke instead? Okay. No, no. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Be careful what you ask for. So it's what do you think about public school systems? And I hate them. I hate them so much. So since I've been talking, I feel like I've shared a lot of stories. Kurt, you saw a different era of school system. Yep. For public schools. I'm assuming, and did your kids go to public school? My kids did go to public school. Okay. So what do you think of the system they came through? Um, I am largely not a fan. Um, but I will tell you that um, I think there's a couple different reasons for that. And, and, and I, so my wife worked for a short time in the public school system as well. Um, and I think that the areas that are put forth for initiatives often do not come through the way that we were sold them. So I will give you an example, uh, a couple actually, um, <clears throat> The local public schools went to block scheduling, which really means instead of our classes, it's like college were A, B, C blocks. Yeah, but but okay. they went to ninety minute classes. Okay, and right. and versus one hour classes, and okay. the reason they they did that, well, what they told us was that that would give the teachers and the students more opportunity to take concentrated time on the subject matter and thereby allowing the kids to internalize that knowledge more. Okay. Great. On the surface, that sounds great. Do you want to know how that worked out? How that manifested itself? No. Yes, I do. (laughs) I do. So, um, so the way that manifested itself is the teachers taught for an hour, just like they did before. And then the last half hour of the class was spent doing homework. Every class, every single class. And so my kids routinely came home with no homework, which I'm not necessarily, 
against, but the expectations were less for the kids um, because it didn't even matter what class they were in or what the subject matter was. It was almost like they had a hard stop at, at 60 minutes and then the last half hour was spent doing homework. So that's, that's one thing. So I don't, I, I, I think that we were, so what ended up happening is the kids ended up with one or two less classes per day, but no additional knowledge. So, so there was that. Um, the other thing, and this is probably more controversial, um, no child left behind. Yeah, that's, that's a bad one. So no child left behind was meant to say, Hey, we don't care if your child has learning disabilities or whatever, we are going to invest the time and effort right. to get them some schooling. Smaller cool. classrooms, higher what, education, all of that. those kind of things. Yeah. I love that. And the way that manifested itself mm. from what I saw mm-hmm. was um, more disabled kids came to school. Great. No problem. Cause they ended up hiring more paraprofessionals. Cool. Great. However, it ended up being a bit of a dumping ground by the parents for free childcare. Yep. And um, random kid, exactly what I feel. Um, the idea was really good and um, I think I think had the, the people who started it probably had the best of intentions. In practice, it was terrible and remains terrible because it just becomes a, yeah, it provides jobs. It provides jobs for paraprofessionals. Um, but what ends up happening is those kids don't get any schooling. In practice, what ends up happening is the para that's assigned to them goes to the classes with them, ends up doing the schoolwork for the kids without any idea whether or not they're acknowledging what's going on. And the kids at high school level are allowed to be there until they're 21. Mm. So routinely they had adult disabled people in the, in the, in the school room and it was a babysitting service. Now you can argue whether or not, that's a better that's of benefit to society and it might be it might be but don't sell me a banana and tell me it's an orange yeah. you know that's that's all i care about uh, so so it's just and then not for tonight but teachers unions okay so not for tonight. Not for tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, we we definitely need to have a. What do you think about unions in general? Not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> not tonight. Not tonight. So, I'm so the notes. Got, and because I had intended on being a school teacher, I've got very strong feelings about just the education system in general, and I think it just needs to be blown up. Yeah, burned to the ground. Figuratively. <laughs> and um, and redesigned from the ground up. So you're going to say you need to shoot it full of holes and then figuratively <laughs> and redesign it from the ground up. 
I agree. Joe. Yes. You How brought, are you doing? You, <laughs> you brought up. How much Mountain Dew have you had, sir? You brought up. Not enough. Time. Am I moving in slow motion to you? Um, what do you think? Like, about like that colors? clip for Brooklyn Nine Nine, <laughs> where they drank all the coffee and yeah. everyone's moving slow motion. I I, I don't remember that one. I took it over the head okay. where I saw it first. Where the squirrel um, drank caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, there's a reason why. Uh, my wife is homeschooling our kids and has been for the past uh, almost <laughs> almost three years now. Um, actually, no, over three years now. And um, the the public schools are failing in a lot of ways. Um, there are li- like everything. There's exceptions to that. There are some public schools that are are doing fantastic work. Um, like for instance, I think my high school had some outstanding teachers. Uh, I think that my education was, was top notch at my high school. Um, but I think that that nowadays that is the exception rather than the rule, um, which is quite sad. And are the public schools near me aren't bad per se. Um, but I, I feel like my kids are learning so much more being at home and even so my wife has signed up for um, this program. I think it's called Harmony. Um, where? No, no, no. Harmony. Um, I'll just make sure she didn't get mad at, at me on the show and then <laughs> decide to leave you. I don't know. How it works. Um, well, so it's it's a program here where you can you can redirect some of the state spending from the public school to yourself so that you can use those funds for, for your homeschooling efforts. Um, and so that's really progressive it. actually. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that exists everywhere for, or if it's Tennessee no. thing. It's um, and so it's, it's not a half bad amount either. Not at all. It's like 3000 for per kid, I think is what it is um, to spend on, on different things. Now, granted you have to get, approval and everything like that for all of the different expenditures. But, um, it's been awesome. The, the only caveat there is because we're signed up through this, my kids do have to take the state testing. Um, and so I, I, there are several homeschool families that I know of in the area that refuse to sign up for this program because they don't want their kids to do state testing. Um, and Should that be also a side discussion? Because I got thoughts on that, but we'll yeah, make a side state, discussion. Go ahead. State testing. It, it, we'll I, do another it, show. It, It'll be fine. Well, no, no. The state testing is basically exactly what random kids put here. That teachers care more about testing metrics instead of actual learning. I, I've got to take um, on that as well. I got you. And, and there are students that do very well at test taking that don't necessarily know the subject. Like some people, they do well at test taking and they know the subjects, but there's people who they just, they know what to memorize because they know that that's, what's going to be on the test. And then they forget it within the next couple of weeks. Um, And so my kids though, with testing, there's a couple of, uh, we just use it as a metric for, Hey, we need to focus a little bit more on these specific things. And most of the time it's stuff that we already knew that my kids needed help on. Like they are phenomenal at math, 
we know this um, because, well, they had they at least my oldest especially has a mind that thinks very similarly to me when it comes to math and math just comes really easy to me. He has the knack. <laughs> yes. And um, but then they they struggle with reading comprehension and um, reading out loud which again is no surprise to me. And it's something that we are, are working on with them. Um, and, but in general, the public school kids get lost in the crowd because it's one teacher to usually 30 or more kids. And you don't have time to focus on these specific areas with them. Whereas at home with these metrics, uh, and that's what we're using it for. The metrics from the, the state testing is, hey, focus on these specific areas because that's where the deficit is. And so we can see where they are excelling and where um, and where where they could use a little bit of help. And so um, in general, public schools, I, I, I don't think they're anywhere near what they were in yesteryears, basically. Um, I, I I have no idea about yesteryears. I was homeschooled most of my life. I went to first grade at basically a Christian school. Um, so at a certain point in my kids' educational careers, uh, I got to a point with Oakland where I wanted to have a better relationship with my son because I was losing my crap on him in school and, and just bearing down. It, it was a mess. It was a mess. And so we ended up letting him go to public school. And, and coming up early, a pre-K and all that, we were doing uh, whatever programs we found to be great. I think some of his pre-K was at a church and some of it was at a public school program. Like kindergarten maybe in public school. Great teacher there. When we put him into to, – when we did first through fifth grade, I think more or less, fourth grade, first through fourth grade at homeschool and decided – Aaron couldn't help. She was busy doing it. It was just a mess in her family. So we put him in public school. All four kids have gone to some version of public school at this point. And it just blows my mind how much on the edges of things. Now, before I go into this, I'll caveat this other thing. There are great teachers out there. There are amazing teachers who want to teach. And I'm actually going to talk about how the system's broken. So even if there's great teachers who want to teach, there's bad systems, bad bosses, underfunding. There's other stuff there. So I will talk about that. But so there, I can acknowledge, I had some great teachers throughout my life. Not always, no, none of them in public school, but that's because I didn't go there. But that being said, I have never seen another profession that is so freaking whiny and so freaking egotistical at the same time. And still, the majority of them won't do their jobs. And it blows my mind. They're not teaching the kids I, the, in fifth grade. Because my, my son's education was important to me, whether I was going to do it or not. And he's getting bad grades and he's not understanding things that he should be able to explain to me at this point in first grade. And I said, it's parent teacher's meeting and we, cause me and my wife went in and we, we are here to basically go, what can we do to help? This is important to us. Let us know how we can help at home to make sure he's getting good grades in your class that, but as I do, 
I just wanted to confirm some things that he was telling us. And I don't remember where they are now, but it's like, is it true that you, this happens in your class? Or that? And she couldn't even look at us. Her hands were shaking. And I was coming back into my butthead face, you know, not that phrasing, but for Joe, my butt. I didn't phrase. know you ever left it. Oh, it's, it's been turned down. <laughs> it was way up here. Then it got down here. Then it came back to a nice, good level where you're at now. So uh, I had to say, why, why are you, and my car is like, what's wrong? Are you okay? I'm a medical professional. You're, you're shaking. Cause she just, the principal sitting there, her co-teacher sitting there, everybody's calm. And she's just, I mean, hands and shit couldn't look at us. Like I looked at the principal. Like, this is not going to go well this year. And I got up and left. I was like, I just, that's where I have no time or patience for them. So they're not teaching him. So he's coming home with homework and I'm having to teach him at home the stuff I didn't want to teach him at home. Now he got some other good lessons of socialization and, and how to deal with the teacher. This teacher went to battle with him. He's in fifth grade and she just started doing some dumb things. And I told him, I was like, this is basically what you say. And I made him a little rock demigod over there and not to be smart, but, but to stand on truth. And for whatever reason, like the last day of school, she went to try to have a verbal battle with him and just got drug. It, it was, I don't understand. You're an adult being an adult. So we went out and through their careers and we've had issues with all of the kids and behavior issues with other kids in the class issues with the teachers, not teaching all of them not wanting to do anything and not even wanting to give us the time of day. We're there to help. They didn't want to talk to us. And what killed it the most for me, well, no, there's one worse than this. So one of the big things that started damaging it for me was parent-teacher meeting for my son again because he has what I had growing up. He can do the job. He forgets to turn it in, doesn't complete the steps. So he'd have homework in his bag that, we went to this parent-teacher meeting, and I thought like, all the teachers there, it's, it's like junior high or whatever, so they kind of like college. You have different teachers in a hall. So all of them were there to talk to me about their subjects. And one of his teachers, but she really cared. I think she was probably a great teacher, to be honest, because she was like talking to him like I would talk to him. It's like, oh, I told you if you turned in your reports, you would still get credit. And I, and I looked at him and was like, what do you mean turn in your report? He's, uh, I said, look in your butt back. He opens his backpack that he's been carrying for two weeks, pulls out the homework that is 100% done. <laughs> I forgot to turn it in. And he still got credit. But we're sitting there in a the math class, and that's the problem I have. I'm a huge math nerd. I took, for fun, pre-calculus, pre-trig, and pre-physics because I just thought it was a blast. I needed him to know what 10 times 10 was. You know, I need to know how to work fractions, the basic building stones of, of life. And as I'm sitting there, she's just giving me grief. I promised myself I wouldn't talk so long. Oh, I don't know why I said that. Uh, but no, seriously, these stories are killing me. I'm sitting there in her math class, and I asked him because he gets homework back, and I couldn't even hurt my wife's dad is an engineer, graduated Georgia Tech. His son has the same brain. My wife basically does too. She says she doesn't. But her brother, fairly smart. I'm a genius. This kid's got everything lined up for him. 
the four of us, my kid and the three adults, could not, with Google and anything else, figure out an answer to this math problem that's on his his uh, like eighth grade sheet. So I asked him, he was like, when did they explain the answers to you? He goes, they don't. It's like, what do you mean? You, 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 don't, you don't get an explanation of what you missed. You don't get, no, we sit at our desks. She, she marks it. She gives it back to us. And then we got to go put it in the filing cabinet on our own. It's all right. So we go to his teacher meeting. He gets called out for not turning in homework. Does that other teacher saying things I already knew. And we came up with some plans to help with that. And we we're talking about math. And I asked her, is that true? Well, you know, da, 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 da. it smarted off to me. And I was like, okay, but seriously, how are they supposed to know what they got wrong on this homework that you're sending home? By, which, by the way, takes them like an hour to do every night and it's stupid. But how is he supposed to know what he got right or wrong? Well, they can look at it while they get following. That's what, and you guys should know this tone of voice by now. Because I only do it when I'm about to bring the knowledge hammer down on you and make you feel stupid. Now, I don't do it to you, but you probably heard it. So you're telling me that you take the paper, you mark it right or wrong, you slap it down on your desk, and they may have up to, what, three or four minutes to look at it at most while everybody's filing, and that first kid doesn't get to look at it at all? Well, Mr. McFall, if you're going to be that way. And I'm like, who wrote that problem on the board? It's just I did. I stood up, erased it, fixed it. And went, how are they supposed to learn if you can't even do the math? The other teachers <laughs> escorted her out of the room and started walking me down the hallway. And that's when I was done with that. But my kids convinced me to let them do a little bit more socializing, football, wrestling, those kind of things. And my daughter basically got some death threats, like viable death threats that the school decided to do nothing about. And it turned out the girl who was threatening her uh, had been kicked out of three other schools for the same thing, was saying stuff like she would take the security officer's, safety officer's gun and shoot people. This is in 2016, 15. So well past gun shooting issues and bullying issues and stuff that we need to be handling right here and now. And that was it. Pulled all my kids out. And they their brains skyrocketed. We've been doing a powered homeschool, which is a functional system that has videos and everything else. It's, it's based on a cellus. I just want to give a quick plug for it. Um, because a cellus was built for geniuses, literally for those kids who are truly geniuses that need to develop social skills as well as take high level calculus in fifth grade. And it was built for that. And then they figured out how to use that and make different levels of homeschool. And the one we use is called powered homeschool and they it's accredited. They give all the courses and it's something I can swing in and help with and help them look stuff up and help them like I helped Zoe tonight. And it's just, for my life and my wife's life, it's just the best way to school because I've watched the videos with them. They're very on the kids' level, very easy to understand. They give other stuff. It's so good. So I, I, I hope they never let their kids go to public school. It's, it's the worst. Now, the one thing, I know I've talked a long time, but I did promise I would say I would take some of the teacher sides. But most of the teachers I've dealt with, they, all they want to do is complain about the, the kids, complain about they don't have money, complain, complain, and not figure out how to reach kids or do what they can with what they have. But also there are those great teachers who will change your life and believe in you who get run out of the system because of the burnouts, 
the people who are nasty, the bad managers who get made principals, who don't know how to budget, who don't know how to spend what they have, to the county commissioners who aren't giving the funding to the schools that they need. Our security officer was so big, he could hardly walk from the car to the school. And how's he supposed to help somebody? Our high school has made the news every year for violence and low state grades. This year we saw they made it, they blew up on TikTok. Our high school right here blew up on TikTok because they're screaming at the kids day one. Clear backpacks, empty you out, metal attack. I mean, they were just treating them like you're entering prison. And it was rough. And we still had two shootings at the school this year. Not like going in and shoot them up shootings, but like the football game's going on and somebody in the parking lot lets off and freaks everybody out. It, I'm with you, Kurt. It has to be destroyed. It has to be changed. And it was. it's not what it ever was meant to be. What it was meant to be is a teacher, which were rare, would come and all the different levels would come in and you try to get them what you could. And like you said, it has become somewhat of babysitting. It's become, you have to have a master's degree to teach first grade, which is super expensive. And depending on where you go, you're not going to get paid crap. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so here's the other, the other side of that for me is that I get, I understand there, there are bad teachers. That's there's, there's bad fill in the blank. There's bad everybody. Right. Like in every profession, there's somebody who's kind of terrible at their job. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of good teachers who have been beaten down yes. because they're they're handicapped by what the administrators say they need to do and and teach to these test scores and teach to these things, because, frankly, it's easier to teach to the test scores no, it's easier to measure the results of the test scores and make decisions yeah. based on that. And their than pay actual, is affected by that sometimes. Right, right. And so um, I think new teachers go in with all the idealism in the world, thinking they're going to reach these students. And then the administrators say, yeah, cool, but that's not why we're here. And we're here to do this other thing. Yeah. I will tell you that I had a music teacher in high school who meant the world to me. He is the, the guy responsible for me still being involved in music today um, because of the type of teacher that he was. He was in my wedding party. Um, <laughs> he, he, he is that special teacher to me. But if you ask me about any other experience in high school, and I went to a private high school, all right? If you ask me about any other experience in high school, what I will tell you is I was assigned six term papers. I did one of them, got graded on all of them, a passing grade. And um, the most valuable class I took in school was typing. Actually, I can see that. That's, that's a skill. And I took it one semester as a senior. And when I graduated, I could, I could type 45 words per minute and great. And I used it and I still use it to this day. Right now, Kurt, Joe is 
he he has to top us. He lives the TV slash movie life. <laughs> he says, is this true, Joe? My music teacher in middle school was hungover all the time. That's why we watched Newsies like four times. That's such a Disney <laughs> TV show moment. We we watched Newsies like four times, and there was another musical that we watched a couple of times, too. But, it, I mean... May not have been hungover, but it sure seemed that way. So here's the secret about the music mm. teachers. If they're not actually meant to be music teachers, they are failed professional musicians. Yeah. And and so it, he likely was hungover most of the time because he was probably out the night before gigging. <laughs> probably. Um, uh, now, that was a good teacher in one of our public schools. We had a young lady, fresh off the boat, new out of school music teacher. And we're like, oh, me and my wife's like, oh, this is going to be horrible to watch. Because she meant well. And we supported her. A bunch of people did. She meant well. But then the school system, man, it just took her by either year two, possibly year three. It was like meth, but not meth. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole spirit was crushed. Just a whole different look to her. Um it, it was not great. And when you try to talk to her, she'd say, it's because Joe keeps trying to take me to the bathroom for those Candy Mountain slushies. <laughs> Follow these nerdy dads on social media. Charles at Rock God of Podcasting. Joe at Joseph underscore Ard. Check out the website, wiseandnerdy.com. And as always, they may not be your father. But they'll always be your daddy. Shut up, Mike. If you want to know about Joe's Magic Mountain, you need to join Patreon.com slash wise underscore and underscore nerdy for the pre-show. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.